You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Autry, and it is my pleasure to be behind the microphone today. Y'all, it is hot outside. We just moved back to Birmingham, Alabama this past summer. As I'm recording it, there's still boxes in my room, but I'm praying that by the time this episode comes out, the boxes are gone. Okay, I'm just trying to get settled. But it is so hot and humid, and I feel weird complaining about it because... I'm sure there's hotter places out there that you might be listening from, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm not made for the heat. I'm a fall girly and I'm so excited to bring it on. We have a super fun show for you today. It is with Alexandra Hoover. She is so cool. We have so many connections. So I'm so glad she was finally able to get behind the microphone with me and chat about all things her new book, Eyes Up, How to Trust God's Heart by tracing his hand. So if you can't tell, it's all about what do we do with the doubt and the things that we're trying to wrestle through with God when things just don't make sense. Or maybe you've been through some trauma or maybe you're going through some trauma and wrestling through really hard season of life. And now you're bringing God into the picture and you're thinking, I don't understand how this fits. Like, how can he be who he says he is if these things are happening or have happened or whatever. And I just want to encourage you that today's conversation is full of good stuff that is true, that is for real. And we just like, we got real. We cut the crap. Okay. We are being honest. We are being bold. We are sharing things that might be uncomfortable, but I think everybody needs to hear. So maybe you pushed play today because of the title and it caught your eye and you thought, I need to listen because I think I'm interested in this. Or maybe you pressed play because you're a loyal listener. Hey, Both are incredible reasons to be listening. And I'm so glad that you pressed play today because I believe fully that there is something in each episode for every single person that listens. And today is not an exception. There were so many fire moments that I just thought to myself, like, wow, I need to put that on a sticky note on my mirror and repeat it and recite it and remember it for the days that are hard. Because if today is not hard, maybe tomorrow holds something difficult for us. But We just know that this world, this life can be hard sometimes. And I want you to have tools of truth to get you through the days that just feel harder than others. And this episode is going to fire you up, excite you, and give you some answers on things that are really hard to answer. Like, is God who he says he is? And how can God be good if bad things happen to me? Alexandra, welcome to Behind the Bliss podcast. This is a a really fun time to have you. I think your timing with the content and the conversation and your book and all that is so pertinent in my life. So I just know like people listening are thinking it's about time we had this kind of conversation. So I'm so glad you're here to do it with us. (laughs) Absolutely, Rachel. I am so excited to be on here with you and all of our friends are going to be listening today. I absolutely love your ministry and love what you all are doing on this podcast with your words and the encouragement. And yeah, I'm excited to talk all about eyes up and, and uh, reorienting our gaze, man, life can be hard. And so keeping our eyes on Jesus quite literally has been one of the greatest gifts that I've learned in the last several years. And I'm excited to dive in. Yes. Yes. Okay. Before we dive in, because I like 
I would totally jump the gun here if I could, because I'm just so excited about it. But I want people to have context about like who you are, what you're up to, all about your book. So just will you give us like a SparkNotes version of all things Alexandra Hoover? Oh my gosh. I love that as SparkNotes version. Fun fact about me though. <laughs> I aged myself at a conference pretty recently because I said cliff notes. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. I was like, I'm dying. These like Gen Z folks like know the deal. And I was like, Cliff Notes. And then they're like Spark Notes. And I said, oh, yeah, I have to leave now. I can never praise God. It's still Spark Notes because that's what it was when I was in high school. So I was afraid it might have even changed again. No, it is still Spark Notes, but I am unwell (laughs) because I used to use Cliff Notes. So what's up, you guys? My name is Alexandra Hoover. I'm a wife. I'm a mama of three beautiful kids. My oldest is 10. My middle is eight. And my youngest is six years old. Right now we're doing the summer juggling work camp drop off things. I've hired my 10 year old to intern with me, which has been a really sweet gift. (laughs) Today was day one of her intern. Training for the ministry in the church I work for. So I'm excited to, to hang out with her. I am an author. I'm a Bible teacher. I just wrote my first book and published it. It's called Eyes Up, How to Trust God's Heart by Tracing His Hand. And I'm really just in love with the idea of helping women and men really find not only their identity in Christ, but really give us some foundation to our faith, offer up fresh perspective on the scriptures and really offer revival for the way that we live our life and how we see God, know God, and know ourselves in that. Amen. Oh my gosh, we need this. We need this so much. I also want to add you're in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm in the South. Yes. Okay. So South Carolina is home. That's where my husband and I grew up in Columbia. Oh, I love that. And Yeah. And so anytime like we meet friends now we're in Alabama and like, we've kind of bopped all over for military life. It's so funny because anytime I say like, Oh, we're from South Carolina, you know, a few weeks will go by and someone will reference like our hometown or like where we're from. And they'll be like, yeah, these friends are from North Carolina. And I'm like, no, it's different. Do you ever have people mix it up? Yes, absolutely. All the time. But you know, what's funny is that like the locals, like we, I mean, the locals, LOL, that's so funny. The people who live here, North Carolina, we're, North Carolina and South Carolina, where I live, Charlotte, we are like, depending on where you are in, Char- in South Charlotte, we're maybe, it's five minutes between South Carolina and North Carolina lines. And the way that like the homes are set up, like there are shopping centers that share like both, both worlds and states. And so we don't really get it mixed up. Now people do often misunderstand the way we function down here, but yes, it's so funny. Hilarious. I know. I'm always quick to correct, not because I don't love North Carolina, but just because they're so different and I want to honor them. They're so different. (laughs) So different. Anyways, yes, we love Charlotte. And I just want to make that connection because we have friends listening from all over and we have a very large Charlotte friend group listening here. So if we ever do anything in Charlotte, we're going to have to be there. That'll be fun. We should do like an event or something. Yes, I would be so quick to show up. Y'all just let me know and I'm there. It'll be so fun. Yes, it'll be so fun. Okay, so I want to just like, again, deep dive into this. I feel like I'm bouncing all over, but I, I'm like, yeah. normally we like to have that fun chit chat before, but I'm like, no, we're just going to go for it. Because this is like such a big topic and I'm just like so impressed that you actually like put this out there in a very palatable and digestible way. It's like so hard. I think this answers so many hard theological questions that if people don't consider themselves believers, it's probably because of this bigger idea. Like, how can God be good if fill in the blank? 
You know, like that big question. And I think if a lot of us are honest, we've all visited that at some point or another too, because it's just, it's just flesh. It's like what we're naturally innate, like our brain wants to go to logic, you know? And I, I want to hear almost your backstory because my favorite part about interviewing author friends is I'm like, you had to have had a journey to get to here. And I so much love and respect that journey. So tell us what the heck got you to a point where you were like, all right, I have some things to share about this. Yeah. So first of all, I don't think anyone's taken the time to really look at that. And I am absolutely so grateful that you even asked that question. You know, one of the things that is just absolutely beautiful about this message and the story before I dive into my story is this, is that I think at some point when, you know, of our faith journey, we have asked these questions like, God, uh, not only are you good, but if you are good, are you good to me? And this really faulty view of who God is and his character. And so for me, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I became a believer when I was 18 years old. I had different experiences with the church growing up. I've got some, I've got some family that is, that are in vocational ministry, some are pastors, other ministers on my dad's side. And I attended church with them here and there. But maybe honestly, when I was, gosh, between the ages of nine and maybe 12, three different times or so that I actually showed up at a church. And uh, I remember getting glimpses, these glimpses of of who God was. And, and honestly, just flashes and in, in these very small moments. And looking back, I see the way that God used even those very mundane, you would probably call just irrelevant moments in my life where I was there for maybe just one Wednesday night for, you know, a Bible study. He used that time to sow seeds. I truly believe that God is not only never absent, but he is quite literally like Romans 8, 8, working things out for our good and his glory for those you know who love him. And so for me, I have seen God work through my life in absolutely mind-blowing ways because I've taken the time to look. And now this is what's really important. I, I think one of the things that we've missed is that it's never about God's inability to move. It's our inability to see. So it's never his inactivity. It's just our inability. And God's activity in our lives is often fleshed out through the ecclesia, through the church, which is through his image bearers. And we, I don't think, have developed enough spiritual rhythms to see the way that God moves through not only the hands and feet, but through creation. And so as I reconciled a lot of my life, I was 18, had first, you know, followed Jesus, a new believer. I was just a sassy 18 year old who, who much like Jacob was just like, I'm going to wrestle with God until I come out on the other side. I have questions. I have contentions. And I took them to, I took them to him. I said, I want to believe you are who you say you are. But in order to do that, I need you to help me walk through not only these questions, but my healing and my circumstances. And so God took me back. Rachel, to see his hand, but more than anything, to trust his heart by showing me in my own life, the moments that he had shown up, even when I did not know that he was there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is so good. I love that you're talking about like, I had to take these wrestlings to God because I think that so many of us, especially if you're raised in like, I call it a veggie tales home. <laughs> like if you're raised praying over your meals, going to church every Sunday, like even to the extent of like veggie tales was on your TV, then I think you're almost scared to admit like, I don't know 
if I'm all in or you're scared to admit like, Hey, I'm wrestling. Like I've got to bring this to God because you're like, Oh my goodness, who would I be if I brought up the fact that I don't know if I trust God right now or whatever. When in reality, that is so natural for any relationship to be like, I don't know if I trust you. I got to figure this out. And I think like the scariest thing is when people decide like, I'm not going to take this to God. Like I'm embarrassed either publicly about it or like, who am I to doubt the creator of the universe? And I'm like, he almost like knew you were going to doubt him at some point. Like he wants us to come to him vulnerably and be like, I need you to speak to me. So I think, yeah, that's like totally one of the enemy's ploy. I'm just, I I know it for a fact. It's confirmed that like that is a tool he uses to keep you away from getting honest and real and like down to the mess, you know? Well, and I think that we have, we've had a misunderstanding of what unbelief is. And we've almost, we've almost marked unbelief as not just, not just sin and scripture tells us often we see reminders, right? That, that there, the temptation to be, to being unbelievers and doubt, but more than anything, I think what's happened is we've gotten away from the reality that in our humanness without Christ, we are off the cuff. Like you said, we are bent towards not just only unbelief, but doubt, bitter. I mean, all the things, right? We miss the mark. But when we meet Jesus, those things don't go away. What happens is their sanctification, which is just a really big word for the process that we're under as we become more like Christ. And God knows that we are human by nature. In Christ Jesus, we're being made new and not only wants us to show up, but he wants us to engage in relationship with him. In chapter three of my book, it's called The Stone of Knowledge. We talk through this idea of God wanting to know us by the translation of the word is yada in the Old Testament and in the New Testament in Hebrew too and Greek. It's the same. Yada is to intimately know someone so closely. It's There's not even a word in English that translates exactly to yada and it's Y-A-D-A. But essentially it's the most type of intimate knowing. And there are scriptures in, in, in chapter three of Isaac where essentially walk it, walk it out for us. What does it look like for God to want to know us and for us to know God? And one of my favorite pages in chapter three is where I essentially break it down like this. God wants to know you in your trauma. God wants to know you in your pain. God wants to know you in your suffering. God wants to know you in your doubt. God wants to know you in your, even in, even in your sin, God wants to know you. And here's why, because God knows that without him, we are nothing. And so to know God and to know his character reconciles the things that we can't bear to carry or even look at anymore. And so I am obsessed with the idea of getting to know God and allowing God to know us by releasing the sense of control that we have for our lives in the world. Yeah. Yeah. The control. You hit it nail on the head. Like, I think really it's like, God, your plan, like all the things that are happening in my life, like your will looks so different than what my journal entry I thought tonight was going to be, you know? And so I'm like, what went wrong? And God's like, it did it go wrong. Like you just might not have had it right. And I think that that's like us surrendering and being like, I have to be humble and know that I didn't, I didn't plan this. I want to go into this now too, because I think this is like so cool. You mentioned earlier rhythms, like finding rhythms to slow down and find ways that you can recognize God where he is instead of doubt him where you feel like he's missing. What rhythms do you have set up in your life? If you don't have any, that's totally cool. But I'm just assuming you probably got some really stellar ones to share. And I want you to like set up some practicals if girls are like, ooh, yeah, like I think maybe I'm missing out because I'm just too busy or distracted. 
Yeah. So what's really funny about me is that I'm a, I'm just, I'm a really very basic woman. Like I'm one of the most basic human beings you'll ever No, seriously. So basic. And I love that though about me because I feel like it's sort of forced me to find rhythms that are not overly complicated for my own self because I life season, all the things I just, for me, less is more. And so this is one of my favorite ones that that is a, it's a spiritual rhythm. It, it engages both my body and my heart and mind. And so in the mornings, this is sort of how eyes up, even the, the, the clouds and the, the sky sort of the imagery happened. My oldest daughter is 10. So when Layla was a baby, she had colic, she had a really severe colic. And so, yeah, we were not sleeping, girl. We did not sleep until that little girl was like four years old. I remember literally like it was just yesterday opening up the art. We had a sliding door to our porch or to our backyard and at the deck. And so I would open up the sliding door, the glass door before she would wake up every single morning. And I would go outside and I would quite literally look up and take pictures of the sky. And I would just sit there and talk to the Lord. I would bring him my contentions. I would give him my thanks. It's where I gave, it's where I would sit down and uh, even, and sometimes I wouldn't sit. I would just hold my cup of coffee and stand at the sliding door. And I would count just like three, four different things I was thankful for. Like I would force myself to be grateful. I would force myself to remember the things that got it done. I would force myself to look at creation, literally. And uh, I still do that till this day. She'll be 11 years old in January, I'm sorry, in February. And the moment that I get to look up, to wonder at creation, I do it because that for me, there's this, there's this spiritual rhythm called, or a book. It's actually, it's a liter, it's really liturgical. It's the daily office. I learned about the daily office. Oh gosh, maybe about six or seven years ago. I remember this it was one of my mentors was telling me about it. And she said, you know, communion with God is essentially like walking with a friend throughout the day. And she said, as you, as you walk with a friend, you're just having conversation with him. You're, 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 you're talking to them, you're with them. And so she kind of painted this picture for me as, as to what it looks like to just be with God. And my spiritual rhythms really overflow from the reality that I am the temple, that God is with me. And so what I do throughout the day is more of a reminder to reset my eyes and my soul, reorient my gaze on the fact that I'm the living temple of the Holy Spirit. Like God is with me. and as I sit down, Rachel, at any moment of the day to commune with God, to talk with God, that right there is my, is one of my greatest spiritual rhythms. That's so beautiful. That's yeah. This is neat because it's having to remind your, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but I have heard it before. And this is so neat because I feel like it ties in like you're, yes, you are like one creation and yes, God created every bit of you, but like our soul is inside of who we are. And so a lot of times like our soul and our spirit have to remind our mind and our body who we are, what we have to be grateful for, who God is and how he moves in our life. And it sounds like, so I think some people listening would be like, oh, like that's so weird. It doesn't sound natural, you know, to have to remind yourself or call out things. And I'm like, it's not natural. That's the problem is if you're only operating in the natural, you can't expect to see the supernatural. So it's like, you have to step out of like, okay, what is my mind and my body capable of? Okay, cool. But I actually have more power that I need to access every day and and we can do it. So I love that of like looking up 
hence eyes up. (laughs) Yes. And when you look at the life of Jesus, I've studied a lot of his spiritual rhythms because I, for a season as a young mom, became obsessed with the idea of like not having time to read, not having time to study. I'm glad you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a scarcity mindset to what I was able to do for God, like this performance driven legalistic thinking as, as you know, when you're a young mom, you, you literally only have just enough time, right? When you're a mom of, of littles and sometimes depending on the season that you're in, spiritual rhythms just won't look the same, which is why when I studied spiritual rhythms, looking at Jesus, and I I really studied this idea of rest and became enamored with the idea of rest and wrote an entire study on it. Like I just, for me, for myself, didn't put it out in the world, like just wrote it. Layla was, you know, in her, still in her colic days and just super spirited, amazing child she is. And I remember, yes, I remember Jesus reading through the scriptures and, and, you know, when, when, Jesus withdraws after the several miracles. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and we he goes away to be with the Lord. I remember him saying, Alex, uh, and this is just through communing with God, I felt the Spirit say, listen, his going away to be with me is your resolve during the day to just listen. And it was really just as simple as that, right? Like I couldn't get away from Layla. I couldn't get away from my job or my life. I was a raking mom. And so my spiritual disciplines became quite literally resetting my, my gaze, like my, reorienting my heart. Sometimes I would write down sticky on sticky notes, like one Bible verse for the day, right? Like that was enough. I would, I would just take the time to remind myself that God is who he says he is. And there is something really important about telling your body and your, in the physical, just like you were saying to, to also reorient itself to what, the, to what the spirit is saying to. Yes. Cause we do not operate out of the matters of this world you know like we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind so it's like that's up to us like we have to do that this show would not be possible without you our listener and show sponsors like today's sponsor dwell i am so excited to introduce you to one of my favorite apps and resources like it literally sits on the front page of my home screen on my phone it's called dwell Dwell has built the most beautiful listening and reading experience for spending time in the Word. They have over a dozen new recordings of the Bible and have hand-picked voices that will engage and inspire you in lots of versions of the Bible, too. My personal favorite voice is Rosie, and I love that they have study plans and playlists ready to push play when you're not sure where to start in the Bible. I also find myself turning on their playlists about peace, motherhood, and lots more when getting ready in the morning. It has totally changed how my days are starting. Friends, really, it is an amazing way to immerse yourself in the Bible, which is something I think we all would want more of. To get started with Dwell, head over to our show notes to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 30% off of Dwell for Life. Oh, this is so good. I feel like, so sometimes I'm just gonna be transparent about the podcast world. Sometimes I come into interviews and I'm like, oh, like I have no idea, like, where this is going to go or what the title is going to end up being. And that's okay. Like I love those because they're so spirit led. Then there's other ones that I come to it with an agenda. Cause I just, I feel like the Holy Spirit seriously yeah. like I've got to cover this. Like, let's go girl. Absolutely. And this is one of those that I'm like, I, I very much so have, have an agenda because I feel like I feel burdened for the girls who are in this weird season where they're like the only string that they're clinging to as far as their faith life and walk goes is like, I, I have, like, I have to believe, but nothing 
is proving to me that like, I should believe, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like where they're oh like, God, I, yes. this is just my last ditch effort and maybe clicking play on this episode. And I'm so glad that y'all are listening if this is you, but I want you to like encourage this girl that's listening. That's just like, yeah, I want to call BS on all of it. You know what I mean? This is just like, she's ready to give up. What would you say just to encourage her? Yeah. So, you know, in Jesus name, we're going to call BS on that. There's this idea, right. And that, that eyes up really is kind of found in, and it's the, that the presence of pain has never meant the absence of God, that God is here and that God is good, that God is good and that God is good to you. And so if you're listening to this podcast episode today and you're like, Alex, I cannot seem to find him. I don't know where he is. My soul is tired. I'm so weary. Listen, me too. I launched this book two days after my beloved brother passed away. And I am having to not only live this message of eyes up out, but I'm having to go back to the words that I find in first Samuel, where God tells Samuel, Samuel, I need you to, I need you to help my people remember that this place of defeat is now becoming a place of victory because I'm here. And so if you're listening to this today and you're wondering where God is, I want to remind you that God is here that God is an ever-present help, that you listening to this episode is not a coincidence, that it's a divine appointment. And that whatever it is you're walking through, oh gosh, this is so important. Whatever it is that you're walking through, whatever circumstance you're walking through, does not inform the character of God. The character of God is faithful and good and constant and loving. And so cling to the hope today of these two things, that God brought about comfort in the midst of your discomfort through Christ Jesus. God did not cause your discomfort. He's bringing about comfort in it through Christ Jesus. One, number two, when you can't seem to trace God's hand, when you're, when, if you just cannot find evidence of his goodness, look at that empty tomb. Look at the resurrection. I don't think we make a big enough fuss about the resurrection and the way that God brought about a savior to rip us out of the grip of sin, of death and of evil. And so remember the, the simplest truth that God is good, that God is good to you and that God is here. Amen. Oh man, this is awesome. I happened to read second Corinthians one today. And I think this is so funny that you're talking about. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. Actually. It's like kind of scary. <laughs> like that you're talking yeah. about this idea of comfort yes. and how he, yes, he's faithful and he's kind and he wants to show up for you more than you want him to show up for you. Anyways. So in second Corinthians, basically Paul is writing a letter to the church of Corinth. Okay. Just context. And he's encouraging them because he's endured some suffering and they've endured some suffering. He's basically saying like that our God is one of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our afflictions that we might be able to comfort those who are also in any kinds of affliction. So it, also, I love this idea. Like, it's not about us. Like, it is for for seasons and some time. But the like the big overarching story. Like, you are not necessarily the main character. And then this there was really cool idea that if you're afflicted, it's for your comfort and your salvation. And this idea that like God loves you so much that He's going to provide the comfort for sure. But He's going to make the best out of any situation. And that sounds so cliche, but it's, but it's true. So that true. We're promised. Yeah. It's like. I mean, Alex, like, have you looked back on stories of your life and you've been like, oh, like that makes sense now. But in the moment you're like, what the heck? What the heck? You know, I think we all have those. 
Yeah. You know, on the back of my books, you know, the, the reader, there's these readers promises that every book has. And so I took the time to really pray through like, what are we asking God right now? What is it that our generation is asking? And the questions are generations we've asked since the very beginning, which are God, where are you? Where were you when? Why God? And why not? Right. And a lot of what I've done and, and here, here, I love, I love this part of the conversation when I get to talk about this it nice up. I am not promising that I'm going to be able to answer the hardships and sufferings of your, of your life, that, that I can, I can explain away your pain, but here's what I know God has for us. And what I can do for you is, is this. So when I started to look back at my life and ask God, God, where were you in my abuse? Where were you when my single mom could not scrape up enough money for X, Y, and Z thing? Where were you when my friend went through this awful divorce? Where were you when? I remember just straight up, just like arguing with God, like yelling, not arguing with him because he don't do that. He'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But I... I quite literally was going to town and, and I just saw God just, I, I picture him just extending his arms out and being like, baby girl, just sit down. And so I was asking him to help me reconcile it. And he said, Alex, I can't help you reconcile the things of the world because they're broken, but I can help you reconcile my character and who I am with you. And that absolutely changed my life because I stopped trying to explain or reconcile my hardships. And I began to focus on the constant and faithful and holy character of who God was, because I can reconcile that. And I can also reconcile that God never intended for this to be, you know, the way that I moved through his kingdom. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. Like there's a rescue plan here that I think we miss talking about. Like Jesus was sent to quite literally redeem and restore and reconcile and rescue the world, like straight up. So God knows that this is hard. God knows that we need him. God knows that there, there's a kingdom, right, that requires for the family of God to work together, to be together, to build the kingdom of God. But in that, there is this beautiful invitation of healing and restoration for each and every one of his children. And when we do both, Rachel, when we're able to see our invitation from God to heal and to be restored and reconciled with him, and then also live on mission, the things we can't reconcile, we begin to see through God's lens and it all changes. Amen. Oh yeah. That's so good. Wow. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like chewing on this for a little bit because <laughs> there's things in even my life that I feel like we are not going to experience like the period or the exclamation point. Like it might be a dot, 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 dot forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what I, and I say, I wrote about that in the book and I, I wrote something like that's when we're standing in between two miracles. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm I think that's it. where a lot of us find ourselves is like Absolutely. waiting for something. And yes. And I think like people are on all like a huge spectrum from like listening to this being just hesitant and like, ah, I just want to hear what these girls have to say about this. And then there's probably other girls that are on fire that like want to figure out how can I encourage the people that are hesitant, that are in their doubtful seasons. But also I'd say like store up because I feel like we're all going to hit these weird seasons where things get funky and we're like, I don't know. I have to operate off of like knowledge and not feelings. And this is so helpful to be like, okay, I know who God is. So although I feel this way, I feel abandoned. I feel misunderstood, whatever. Like I know that's not what he sees or thinks about me. So anyways, this is all amazing. And I think 
for anyone that's like, oh, this is so good. And I wish we could fit more into an episode because this is like a dark sea abyss of a question, right? Like <laughs> It is a dark sea abyss of a question. It, I love it though, because, you know, there is this beautiful mystery with, with God that we all want to explain away, but God does not want to be explained away. He truly does not. He wants to be invited in. He wants to be with us. He doesn't want us to do for him. And so if you're asking the questions and you're trying to reconcile the will of God, the character of God, even the sovereignty of God, I would say, girl, keep showing up with those good questions. God often uses not only those questions, but the experiences that bring us to those questions. It's really important. The experiences that bring us to these questions are the very things that become our testimonies. That's a quote. I'm like, Emily, pull that out. I want it. I want that on social media. That was good. I love that. Yes. It's so true. Everything. I'm like, I just, yes. I'm like, if this was live, I'd be throwing those hearts. Absolutely. (laughs) I just think I'm like, I can't even express this. And I just, I'm begging people, if you're listening and this has been the least bit interesting to you, like go and order eyes up because it, I mean, obviously it can say more than we could potentially say in a, you know, several minute episode. But also this, like I said, in the very beginning, this is such a tricky topic that it's hard to not, I don't know, it's hard to not diminish God, but it's also hard to not be so theological that you miss people's feelings and you like church explain things to the point where people feel like totally, you know what I mean? Like unvalidated that I just, I want to honor you because I feel like you really did tackle this so gracefully and to a way where people leave being like, okay, yes, that makes sense. I have an answer, you know? And I think that that's all anyone wants, especially with the mystery of who God is naturally. We're like, I just need an answer. So even if it's a, hey girl, I don't have an answer for you. Like that's sometimes enough. And just want to thank you for showing up in the space that was such a void. Thank you, Rachel. It's a blessing. It's an honor. And I'm living it out now. I wake up even now as we grief the loss of my brother. Today's been a month since his death. It's been one of the most interesting seasons and difficult seasons of learning to, to, to hold this coexistence that I talk about so much. It's been such a message, but joy and, and grief, right? Like hope and hopelessness, discouragement and courage. And I am learning to not just hold both, but to, I, I articulated this earlier this morning. I was talking to Lisa on an Instagram live, Lisa Turkers, and I, for the first time, I think I said it and I said, I said something like, I think I'm beginning to not only understand the coexistence even more, but I'm beginning to see that without me being in Christ, without his power, his provision, his strength, I I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't even be able to like carry it, Rachel. Like it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a possibility. But when we are, when we are attached to the vine, like when we say, God, man, I, I absolutely cannot do this. I need you in the simplest way. God begins to move through us, which is when when we get to experience the sense of of hope and of joy. This is something I love talking about in the book, and I'll be quiet in a minute. I am absolutely obsessed with the idea that as humans, we have hope, but don't know where it comes from. And it is the wildest thought, right? Because it's we know as believers that we are image bearers of Christ that that in genesis god tells us that we were made in his image and so i even talk about that in the book that the hope that we have when we feel like we can't keep going anymore that sense of hope the light that's christ in us like think about that 
even when we don't know where the hope is coming from, even when we think, man, we're going to die. Like this is the end. This is the end. There is this hope and hope is in us because we are made in the image of God, not because we can will it. And that is one of our greatest gifts is that we have hope and the hope that we feel this, this inkling and of, of there has to be more is because our innate creation, like who we are knows that there is a God who can fill that gap. And that's why we have so much hope. Yes. So you're reminding me of Philippians 4, 6, which was like one of my very first ever memory verses. So praise God. It's like literally going to the grave. I can't ever get it out of my head. I love it. <laughs> but it's reminding me like in every situation. So that means like in everything, like even when your doubt, like even when your doubt is overcoming and you're like, I just don't know, like in every situation with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, tell your request to God to so be like, be honest, be like, God, show up. I don't know where you are. I need to see you today. Please reveal yourself to me. Like he, there's the day's not going to end without him like appearing through a conversation or even through a free coffee through a Starbucks drive through Can I get a name then? Like he's going to show I'm up in then. some way, about to show up. Yes. but then because of it, when we bring our petitions to God, it's promised that the peace that surpasses all understanding is now going to guard your heart and your mind. So it's like when your heart and your mind want to go to those places and be like, but why, but where, but why me? And all those questions, it's like your heart now has like a protection, like a, yeah, that guard. It's like, I'm not letting you go there. I'm not letting you go there. So just that's my, my final like urge, like if you are doubting and you want to know who God is, like Alex has said this whole time, like go down, tell him he'll show up. He'll answer. Yes. Okay. Where can we find you? Cause I know people are yeah. obsessed now. <laughs> and then where yeah. can you find your book eyes up and just like drink from this incredible wisdom that is Alex Huber. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love, I love you. I love being on here. So my Instagram handle is Alexandra V Hoover. We try to keep it simple out in these streets. My website is Alexandra V Hoover. Now my Facebook is also Alexandra V Hoover. My Twitter is not because somebody already had Alexandra V Hoover and we couldn't, we couldn't undo it. And so my Twitter handle is Alex V Hoover. And uh, I'd love to connect with you all. Thank you so much for having me on Rachel. Yeah, you're the best. So one of our favorite questions to ask, and we can end with this. It's a fun one. And I'm so sorry. It might catch you off guard. What is something that you're loving these days that you want to share with people? It does not have to be spiritual. I want to give you that permission. Like it could be an Amazon purchase. <laughs> no, you're so funny. <laughs> what am I loving this these days? Actually, it's not. It's so I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with Anne Lamont um, and her writing. And I'm reading her new book, Dusk Night Dawn. It's on revival and courage. And I absolutely, I'm loving this book. She is just, she's, she's beautiful in the way that she writes. And I'm loving that. Let's see here. What else am I loving? I am loving, this is super like hilarious because I'm not a makeup girl, but, or like a foundation girl or any other kind of girl, but I'm a, I am a skincare girl. I am. Her. Okay. I am her because her. the TikTok because the TikTok told me to be, and so I. That's yeah. right. <laughs> the TikTok has told me. She doesn't me know Cliff Notes, but she's on TikTok, people. <laughs> Girl, absolutely. Uh, it's like oh, that's facts. Okay, so it's the Neutrogena Hydro Boost is both water gel lotion and sunscreen, and also a moisturizer. So it's a part of their Hydro Boost like line. I, I'm obsessed with their regular moisturizer, but this one it's 50 SPF. It's beautiful. It's not broken me out. This is what I'm obsessed with right now. <laughs> wow. We love it. We love a good skincare yes. recommendation. I feel like yes. there's some girls out there. It's like you open up their cabinet. It's like all behind the bliss guest skincare recommendations. Cause like, that's me. 
I'm the kind of girl. I like, love I gotta it. Test it out. Got to, <laughs> you know. Well, I that was fun. I like I like the skincare, and I also love book recommendations. So it's always fun. I say this sometimes, but I'm like, it's always fun when people are like, I'm loving walks with my dog in the evening. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I know. Give us bro. the good. I'm not even gonna. Know? I'm not even gonna lie to you. I wouldn't even do that to you. I'm not even cut that way. I do not like. <laughs> I don't know, like no, but really, I, I try to keep it. I try to keep it one hundred and being open. Yes, we keep it real. We keep it real. I'm like, ugh. anyways, I have so appreciated you just showing up and hanging out with us and sharing all the encouragement. And we will link all the things that we talked about today, from skincare to the books to everything, in our show notes for people to go listen to. But thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.